Today's scripture reading will be found in Proverbs 6, 1 through 11. May you please stand as we read God's word. It will be found in Proverbs 6, 1 through 11. My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself. When thou art come into the hand of thy friend, go, humble thyself, and make sure of thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter, and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. Which, having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and they want as an armed man. Thank you. Proverbs chapter 6. While you're doing that, I just want to also invite all of you, under the sound of my voice, to come on out Friday night. We're going to have a game night at our church office. Just have some fellowship, encouragement, and I'm planning to lose at Scrabble, so come on out. You can beat me with my wife. I know she'll beat me. It's good for my marriage, though, to play Scrabble with my wife, and she wins. Amen? So it's okay. Yeah, that's right. been speaking in Proverbs, and every day when we pick up the newspaper, we see something that relates to the book of Proverbs. A lack of wisdom or wisdom. But I noticed that a drummer, and I don't know who this man is, I never even heard of the band, but I guess it's a very popular band because it's in the news, the Foo Fighter. But his name is Anthony Hawkins. Died, 50 years old. Just like that. And when they did an autopsy, they found 10 different drugs in his system. That's a fool. A lot of young people are listening to the music of such fools who are totally out of control and lack godly wisdom and discipline. This is why we need the Word of God. This is why we need Jesus Christ to deliver us. So today I want to speak to you on the subject of deliverance from self-destructive behavior in Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs is God's wisdom handbook. So as we begin the message today, please just read with me in verse Number five, we'll just read one verse. This was read, but we'll just read Proverbs chapter six, verse five. It says, deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Let's pray. Father, use this time, build up wisdom in our life that comes from you, O God, the perfect wisdom that comes from you, the wisdom that is in our Lord Jesus Christ who is wisdom manifest in the flesh. Oh, fill us with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of wisdom, we pray. And now, Lord, speak to our hearts. Help us to be able to attend and listen well to the Word of God today. In Jesus' name, Amen. So in this passage of Scripture, we're just going to look at two very practical issues that we all have to relate to in life. The two issues are money. How many of you like money? We're going to talk about money and sleep. How many of you like sleep? Okay, so every one of us has to deal with these two things in life. You cannot live without dealing with it. But they are potentially self-destructive issues as well. So it's amazing how God has ordered our world, that He's put into our world things that we have to deal with, and we have to use wisely and in godly discipline, and if we don't, and we get out of balance, we can be destroyed. So do you like that dog sleeping? Can you see the dog sleeping? 
Man, he must have been tired. And self-destructive. You know, a lot of people, you know, who, who would do that? Who would just be punching himself? Anthony Hawkins was. By putting ten different kinds of drugs into his body. And we're going to see people who sleep, oversleep, and sleep, and sleep. And roll back and forth in their bed like a door on a hinge. <laughs> the book of Proverbs says that. They're, they're destroying themselves. People who abuse money and are covetous. So the, the father does not want to see his son... And I put a question in my email yesterday. Do you know what this is a picture of? I know it's a little blurry, but one person got the right answer. And I said I would give a baby Ruth bar, having a little fun, just a little fun. But you know, this is, this is the audio tape from the old Mission Impossible TV shows, where Mr. Phelps would go into a little back room somewhere, get this little tape recorder out, and he would get his mission, and then they will say, this tape self-destructs in how many seconds? Charlie. There you go, Charlie. (laughs) Charlie got the right answer. In five seconds. So don't let your life be destroyed in five seconds. I'm trying to keep you from self-destruction today. Life is hard enough. Don't make it more difficult by living in an undisciplined, self-destructive way. Now, this passage tells us about the beasts of the field and what we can learn from them. It mentions three different animals, in fact. Deer, birds, and ants. Mighty ants. We learn from nature, don't we? Nature has amazing illustrations for us and how we can follow their example to overcome the bad decisions and the bad habits that lead us to destruction. He mentions the deer and the bird in verses 5 and 6 where he says, Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the fowler and as a bird from the hand of... Uh, uh, from the hunter and as a bird from the hand of the, the, the trapper, the fowler. And then he says, go to the ant. So today we're going to learn a little bit from nature. And didn't, the Bible tells us this in Job chapter 12, verse 7. It says, ask now the beasts and they shall teach thee and the fowls of the air and they shall tell thee. And Jesus said that we are to be what? Wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. And so, so we learn from nature. God has put nature at our grasp so that we can learn things from nature to live for the glory of God. Isn't that amazing? That's why one of the great reasons why we have so many beautiful things in the world. So this passage tells us how to live wisely in these two areas, or else we will self-destruct. So we have to experience deliverance from them. You don't want to hit that button right there. I'm trying to keep you from hitting the button of self-destruct. So the first thing we need deliverance from is bad financial decisions. Verses 1 through 5. And there's a dangerous trap that he tells us about here that we have to avoid. And it's unwise, making unwise financial risks in being a co-signer. Now, do you know what a co-signer is? You've probably heard that expression, a co-signer. That's the idea of this passage of Scripture as we look at it. Look at verse 1, please. He says, My son, if thou be surety, you can almost read co-signer in that word surety, for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger. And then later on, he's called a friend again. So it's interesting, he's called a friend and a stranger. Let me just first say, I, I personally, my understanding of this, and there are different views, but on this, I would say that the friend and the stranger are probably the same person. Often in this kind of, of, of wise, of literature, of poetry, it's poetic. He's saying simply a similar thing in the first phrase and in the second phrase. So he says, if thou be a surety or a cosigner for your friend, if you have stricken your hand, in other words, you, you make a deal, you shake hands on it. So this is my word. I give you my word. We strike hands. He says, if you do this, you're snared with the words of your mouth. You're taken with the words of your mouth. So you see each of, like in verse 1 and 2, the first part of verse 1 and the second part of verse 1 mean the same thing. And the first part of verse 2 and the second part of verse 2, they mean the same thing. He's emphasizing it. Don't do this or you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to smart for it. 
Many people make bad financial decisions. They get into senseless financial risks. They get lured with the love of money. And they end up hurting for it. Is that true? Many people get involved in get-rich-quick schemes. You know what a get-rich-quick scheme is? Lottery. If you're playing the lottery, I encourage you to come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God today, right now. Repent of it and never spend another dollar on a lottery ticket. Give that money to Jesus Christ. Invest it in heaven. Gambling. People are addicted to gambling because they've lost it all and now they want to get it all back real fast. Listen, there's gambling pushed in front of us. You go into... Right over here to the Moynihan train hall where I go every week. Gambling, this big thing. And they're, they're actors promoting it. Great former NBA basketball players, baseball players, football players, telling us how we need to get involved in gambling. And oh, by the way, I guess they say they'll give you the first thousand dollar bet for free. Yeah, right. And who's going to make money in the long run? Not you! Don't spend your money gambling! Give that money to Jesus Christ. Use it to glorify God. Buy a good book and read. Get a, go, buy a good study Bible. Do something else with that money. Ponzi investments. All kinds of financial schemes. People are looking to make money because money is power in our world. But listen, what he's saying here is that In this passage, poverty is a complex problem in life. There's not one reason why people are poor. There's many reasons. Some people inherit poverty. But for many people, poverty is self-inflicted. And that's really what he's talking about here. Don't destroy yourself by your behavior and end up in poverty. And one of the ways you can do that is by being unwise in your use of money. So the word surety... In verse 1, getting back to that, I said it's similar to co-signing. So what do we mean by that? That means that you pledge yourself as a guarantee for another person's debt. That you assume the responsibility for someone else to pay off their debt. So if someone needs to get a loan, they say, the bank won't give me a loan. I need somebody to co-sign for me. You know what that co-signer is? You're the assurance that their debt is going to get paid off. So if they take out the loan in their name and you're the co-signer and they default on the loan, guess who owns the bank if the person who did the loan can't pay? You're now responsible for that debt. So the, the father is warning his son, don't get involved with people who are going to try to take advantage of you and promise you, oh, just sign. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this example. You have a friend. Who has a friend? That's kind of how I look at this passage. He's a stranger, but he's a friend. I kind of know him. I know him a little bit. But you really don't know his character. So you got this friend of a friend, and you hear he wants to invest money in cryptocurrency. Oh, can't miss cryptocurrencies. The hot thing today. And oh, he wants to buy crypto. The only thing is he doesn't have money. He's got to borrow the money to invest the money. So he comes to... so. Your friend, who has the friend, who's going to invest, he comes to you and says, Oh, i got a friend. He's going to invest. He's really a good investor, you know. And he's going to invest in this crypto. He knows all about it. He studied all about the cryptocurrencies. And he's going to invest. But he, he doesn't have any money to do it. So he's got to borrow the money. But he can't get a loan. So would you co-sign for him? Oh, yeah, I'll do that. Sounds like a good deal. And, of course, by co-signing, he's going to get... He he can make money. He's going to make money without working. Woo! Passive income. That's the way to get rich. Passive income is the way to go. So, if you co-sign a loan for that friend of a friend to make that investment in cryptocurrency, you shouldn't do it. You should not do something like that. You will be the loser. That's what the son is being warned here by the father. If thou be surety, if you guarantee the payment of another person's debt, and you make a deal like that, and you get snared with that, 
Look in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 15, please. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 15. And now, remember what I've said, too, about the book of Proverbs. The first nine chapters are narrative, more like narrative. And then when you get to Proverbs chapter 10, we call them sentence proverbs. Each one, many times, each one will hang all by itself. But the first nine chapters, they, it's like a narrative. So they're, they stick together. So these are the entrance proverbs. So many times, the foundation of wisdom is laid in the first nine chapters. And then all the particular aspects of that wisdom is going to be laid out in the sentence proverbs. Does that make sense? So many of these things dealt with in the first nine chapters, they're dealt with throughout the sentence proverbs section. So we just want to look at a few of these sentence proverbs, which also deals with this matter of co-signing or pledging to pay another person's debt. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 15 says... He that is surety for a stranger shall what? Smart for it. Now, I remember my dad, if he like burned himself or if he hit his finger with a hammer or something, he said, that would, that's smart. So, you know? <laughs> it hurts. Pain. So he says here, he that is surety for a stranger, you're going to be in pain over that. But he that hateth such business deal, shortyship, is, he says, is safe. It's safe. What I'm telling you today is a safe situation. Look in chapter 22 of Proverbs. Go to one more verse, chapter 22 and verse 26. Chapter 22, verse 26. He says, Be not thou one of them that strike hands or of them that are sureties for debt. Okay? And again, there's going to... And in the context here and in the culture and even in our situation, it's when you, when you co-sign or pay out that loan or whatever, you're going to be financially remunerated for it. So he says, don't, don't get involved in this, these kinds of business arrangements. Now let me temper that by saying this. If you have a child, and you know, I remember when I was first growing up and trying to develop credit for myself, I couldn't get a credit card. Somebody said, go to JCPenney's because they give out credit cards to anybody. So I went to JCPenney's and signed up for a credit card because I just thought it would be good to have a credit card in case for certain situations. And by the way, I always pay off my credit cards. I shouldn't say always, but... It's my goal, and it, that's where I am right now. Pay off my credit cards every month. Don't pay the 18% credit card interest or however. Don't, don't do that. That's, that's not wise financially. But anyway, so I went to JCPenney's to sign up for a credit card, and when I got their, their response, I, I was rejected. <laughs> and I, I called them on the phone. I said, how come I'm rejected? They said, well, you don't have any credit. But I, I said, I have great credit. I don't owe anybody anything. You know, and I kind of like... Are, and I finally got a JCPenney credit card. Well, after I got the JCPenney credit card, guess what? People are sending me credit card letters out of the wazoo. Get credit card. I throw them away. I just have a couple credit cards. Well, anyway. So it's hard for a young person to develop credit. So I believe that's why God puts this son into a family. And so this is where the father or the parents can help their children, yes, to, do, to understand finances, how they work, and develop credit in a world where developing credit is important if you want to buy a car, or eventually if you're going to buy a house. You have, to, you have to develop credit. So, on the other hand, I would say this. If your son or your daughter needs a cosigner, let's say they need a car to get back and forth to college. Or they need a car to get back and forth to their job. But when they go to the auto dealer, they won't sell them the car because they have no credit. They need a cosigner. I would say that a father, can, if he's financially able to do it, and in cosigning for that car, it's not going to destroy him financially. In that kind of a situation, I believe a father can help their child cosign on their loan in order to help their children to get credit. So that, that would be my balance to this. I believe this is saying not to, not to do it for just 
of selfish gain, to make, uh, to be covetous for money and making money without working. But in certain situations, if you can bear the loss of that default of a close relationship like a a son or a daughter, I I think that's okay myself. Now go to uh, Genesis chapter 43 before we move on from this. And here we see where Judah actually guaranteed to Jacob that he would, in a sense, be surety or he he would co-sign for Benjamin's safety. And it uses the same words. Actually, the first time this word is used in the Bible, in Genesis 43, verse 9, he says, where, uh, where, remember in the, in the story that Joseph was in Egypt and Joseph wouldn't give the food to Jacob's sons unless the sons brought back Benjamin. And Jacob didn't want, Jacob didn't trust them to bring Benjamin with him. But Judah stood up and he said, I will be surety for him. Genesis chapter 43, verse 9. So he says, I will put my life, I will guarantee my life for the life of Benjamin. I will risk my life and die before Benjamin will die. That's what Judah is really promising. And he, he follows through on that in the story. He says, of my hand shalt thou require him, if I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. So their surety ship, ship was fine in that kind of a situation, a family situation. So let me just ask just a couple questions. Should you borrow money to make money on the stock market? What do you say? Wow, every, all, every, all my friends have stocks and investments, and I don't have any. And That's not fair. I should have some too. But you don't have any cash. So you say, well, I'm going to borrow money Or I'm going to take out a second mortgage. Maybe you have a house. I'm going to take a second mortgage out of my house to invest it in the stock market. Is that wise? That is not wise. And I actually got that counsel from a wise man, investment advisor. Don't borrow money in order to invest money in the stock market, please. You're smart for it. Should you, and this isn't exactly the same thing, but it it relates should you get into business partnerships with unsaved people? No. Just throw the question out there. I would say no as a Christian. Just like you marry a Christian, I believe if you're going to start a business, it's wise to start a business with another believer because if you start a business with an unsaved person, they will not have Christian values and principles to guide that business. And so they will be making decisions that will put you often in a quandary where you feel like you're doing something that is not pleasing to God. It is not wise to go into business partnerships in an unequal yoke with unbelievers. So you've got to deliver yourself from this situation. Oh, I had those scriptures there. Okay, just real quick. Go back to your notes. And by the way, there is a sermon outline today. Although we, ha- we were low on toner, we've, we did the most important thing. <laughs> Got you the sermon outline in the middle of the bulletin. For the deliverance from this situation, if you go back to Proverbs, chapter number 6, he says simply, go humbly. Get out of this bad decision. Go humble. In other words, admit you shouldn't have made this deal. You got into something, and now you need to get out of it. You know, like the old saying is true, it's easier to get into something than out of it. So it says in Proverbs 6, he says, Do this now, my son, verse 3, Deliver yourself when you are come into the, into the hand of your friend. Humble yourself. Go, humble yourself. Admit you messed up. Swallow your pride. And then he says... Make sure thy friend... Now, that's an interesting little phrase there. It literally means to act with strength and go to your friend like a storm, like a typhoon. (laughs) The the phrase is literally... If you look it up in the lexicon in your Blue Letter Bible, it says, act stormily. Act like a storm. Go to him with boldness and say, 
I need to be released from this. I made a mistake and now I ask for your understanding. I've got to get out of this arrangement somehow and then do it promptly. He said, just like a, a deer, a roe will run from the hunter when he knows that he's being hunted. As a bird, when he's, if he's understanding of the trap, of the trapper, he will fly as quickly away as possible, promptly. Get out of the situation. And listen, this world will hunt you for your money. By the way, be aware of scams. Man, you know, yesterday I got a phone call. And I thought it was legit. I'm not, I've not been scammed. And I got a phone call. They said, this is from Capital One. Somebody, uh, we just want to verify some charges that are coming upon your account. And that, that's happened to me before. They said that somebody used my card for $400 down in Atlanta, Georgia. Did I do that payment? I was like, no. And then, and then they said, they also tried to change your username. Did you, have you tried to make any changes to your username? I said, no. He says, okay. So, and it went on. And I said, and I started questioning. I was like, how do I know you're legit? You know, I did question him. And he, he told me his name. He told me his number. And he said, if you notice on the call of the number that I received, it was the same Capital One number that's on their website. And that's true. He, it, it, was, he was, it was actually coming through the same phone number, the right phone number. But then as he got going, he said, well, we need to change your username and password. What's your username? I'm like, I'm, no, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Thank you. And I hung up. Don't give your username. Don't give your passwords. They will never ask you. They, a, a legitimate representative will never ask you those things. And then, of course, I call my credit card company and he says, yeah, that's the scam. You know, isn't that something? And he was really smooth and slick. He sounded really intelligent. Anyway, this world is out to hunt us. To get our money. The second thing, main thing here, is we need deliverance, not just from bad decisions with our money. Deliver yourself from that. But secondly, we need deliverance from bad habits. <laughs> Laziness. Bad, lazy habits. So bad business decisions, bad money decisions, and bad habits. And that's the deliverance we need from self-destructive behavior because we, will, we all have a tendency towards self-destruction in this life because of our sinful nature. So, so beloved, be aware of bad financial decisions and be aware of laziness. Now, I heard recently somebody asked the man, he says, well, what does your son do? And the man said, well, well, I actually have two sons. Oh, well, what do they do? And the man says, well, my one son does absolutely nothing. And what does your other son do? Oh, he's his assistant. <laughs> now, we all need to sleep. But it's very easy to oversleep and then to abuse sleep. And that's amazing. I, I find this amazing about God. Like we have to eat, right? If you don't eat, you die. But we have to regulate our eating or else we're going to become a glutton. We have to drink or we're going to die. But we have to drink the right things in the right amounts. And we have to spend money and we have to sleep. But we have to regulate these things. Now, let's talk about laziness. Here's my definition of laziness. That's a good definition. Laziness is willful inaction. Willful. Now, some people cannot work. Some people cannot get out of a wheelchair because they're a paraplegic. Laziness is willful inaction. From responsibility. In spite of opportunity. Now, laziness is a sin. The Bible calls the lazy person in verse 6. I love this word. Look at that word. What's the word for laziness in verse 6? Talk to me. It says what? A sluggard. Like a, like a slug. <laughs> so like, just a blob. <laughs> Not doing anything. Move so slow. Laziness fuels more laziness. 
A lazy person has the power and the strength, but they have no desire. Their favorite word is tomorrow. Their favorite work is procrastination. They're good at that. Now, some people are very energetic, but they're lazy. They're selective sluggards. You know what I mean by that? Now, some people will spend 15 hours a day watching TikTok videos. They're lazy. They're a sluggard. Or they'll spend eight hours a day playing on their phone games or video games. Now, it's not, I'm not saying it's wrong to watch a TikTok video. Well, the wrong, the wrong ones are wrong. Okay? But, but not to play a video game? Okay. But don't, like, zone out on it. Don't become so addicted to it that you don't fulfill your what? Your responsibility. Now, there are dads who have children who would love to come to Sunday school, but they're so overcommitted doing other things that are not important, they have no strength and no time to fulfill their responsibility to bring their children and their family to the house of God. They don't have time. If, if you spend so many hours watching TikTok videos, but none at all reading the Bible, shame on you, you need to come under the conviction of the Spirit of God and repent Amen. and spend time in prayer. Come to the house of God. Fellowship with God's pe people. What a picture of two animals. Learn from the animals. <laughs> they look like they're pretty comfortable there, that dog. That cat found a nice pillow. So here the challenge. He said, go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Here the challenge to the lazy person. Learn from the ants. Consider and learn from the diligence of ants. With their small little bodies, and can you imagine how big their brains are? Even smaller than that. They do great work. Ants have initiative. They take responsibility. Sometimes better than human beings. Ants put us to shame. <laughs> they say that ants can carry weight sometimes more than 100 times their own body weight. If a man could do that, he could lift a diesel locomotive and carry it, carry it on his back up a hill. <laughs> ants are amazing, disciplined, diligent, though small-bodied, and smaller brain. They have foresight. They never give up. They're survivors. They function with efficiency. These are some of the things that I thought about ants. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways. That's what we're doing. Consider her ways. Be wise. Which having no guide, overseer, or ruler. In other words, ants are totally self-motivated. Nobody tells the ant, now get out of bed, come on and make your bed, and you got work to do, you know, <laughs> clean your room. No. Ants are self-motivated. They work with a vision for the future. Look what it says there. They provide meat in the summer. They're self-motivated. They gather food in the harvest. They look forward to the future. They never give up. You know, can you imagine an ant I thought of this when I was a kid going to school every day. And I would come to the same anthill every day and kick it over. <laughs> and, you know, those poor ants, the next day the anthill will be back as if nobody ever kicked it over. You know, and about the 50th time this happened, you would think the ant would maybe move his anthill a little bit, but... I mean, how many six-year-old kids have kicked over one anthill 50 different times? Don't blame Don't get mad at me. Everybody got mad at me. I can feel the anger there. Oh, pastor, how could you kick the anthill over 50 times? Because there was nothing else to do. I just saw it, you know. But I never saw an ant like jump off a cliff suicidal. I can't take it anymore. My house has been destroyed every day for the past six months by that six-year-old, you know. They never give up. And they practice teamwork. They work together. Isn't that nice? They work. They work a little at a time. You, you ever look at an ant and you're like, what is he doing? 
It doesn't look up, but you know what I read? I read this about ants, that they enrich forest areas. In one area, ants carried 15 tons of soil from beneath the surface, and they brought that soil to the top of the surface, thus enriching the topsoil in that forest. Isn't that amazing? So ants, they, it might not seem like they're working much, but as a team and as a group, they do incredible work. They practice teamwork. And it results in a lot of work over time. And they never make excuses. They don't say, well, I don't have time to go to your picnic and eat your hamburgers and hot dogs that you leave out on the table for too long. They'll be there. Ants are survivors, you know. So this is the challenge of the ants. So let's look at some of the characteristics, realize some of the characteristics of a lazy person from this one, they, they lack initiative and vision. As I mentioned, ants have self-initiative and a vision to prepare for the harvest that's coming. A lazy person lacks initiative and vision. Now look at this verse. I love this verse. It says, as vinegar to the teeth. I think it's one of my favorite Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 26, as vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to them that send him. Now, what smoke to your eyes do? What does it do? It burns and stings and really irritates. I mean, and you can't do anything until you get that smoke cleared out of your eyes. So that's what a lazy person, that's what a lazy person is like to the people around him. Do you want to be like that? I don't want to be a, a smoke to your eyes. Thank God, by the way, for the hard-working people of our church. I, I, by the way, we don't, I'm just preaching this because it's, it's in the Bible, you know. I didn't say, wow, I, I, so-and-so in our church is so lazy. I'm going to preach this message to them. No, I don't do that with the Bible. I did not have you in mind preaching this message, I guarantee you. All I had in mind was this is the next passage I'm preaching. Come next week, I'm going to talk about being a God-hater. I don't know. I think we're living in a culture like that, but that's for next week. Look. But then it says, as vinegar to the teeth. And I did look it up. You know what vinegar does to your teeth? It, it, it destroys the enamel so that you, you get decay. So, smoke to the eyes is an irritant and it stings, and vinegar to the teeth decays. And that's what a lazy person is like. So we need to realize the characteristics. The second thing we see here is they love sleep and hate to work. Now this cat found a place. Realize the characteristics of lazy. They love sleep. So look what it says in our text. Look at verse 9 and 10. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep... A little slumber, a little folding of the hands. You know, you could just see the person like with his hands on his chest, you know, and he's like, it's like, okay, you need a nap. I need a nap sometime, but get it. Come on. After your nap, get going. Come on. There's work to do. Love sleep and they hate work. They hide their hand. It says in some places. Now watch this. A slothful man hides his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. And you know what, I, I've, I, some translations say that that word bosom actually speaks to a bowl of food. And so the hand is in the bowl of food, but he's so lazy he can't bring his hand from the bowl to his mouth. So this, this is a sarcastic like jab at lazy people. That they're so idle and they hate to work so much even when the opportunity to satisfy their hunger is there, they'd rather starve than to eat. A slothful man loves sleep and hates work. And the third thing here is they're full of excuses and they're full of pride. They're full of excuses. Now it says in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 16, the sluggard is wiser in his own conceit. That should be conceit than seven men that can render a reason. In other words, you try to reason with a sluggard about working, and then they'll give you seven reasons why. No, I don't have to do that. I could just keep rolling back and forth on my bed. I could just keep watching videos and playing games and, and not do it, fulfilling my responsibility. And what are the, some of the excuses they give? 
Well, they'll say, oh, it's too dangerous. The slugger will not plow by reason of the cold. That should be difficult. It's too difficult. It will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore, shall he beg and harvest and have nothing? He'll say, I can't work. What's the excuse? Baby, it's cold outside. You know, <laughs> that's one of Vinny's songs. Yeah. <laughs> it's cold. I can't work. I can't do this. I'm going to wait for a nicer day. No, sometimes you just have to do it in the weather you got. Jesus said what? Go into all the world and preach the gospel on a sunny day. No, He didn't say that. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, no matter what. And beloved, when it comes to laziness, we must not be lazy in getting out the gospel and being a witness for Jesus Christ. Go ye, Jesus said. And that means to go, no matter the conditions or circumstances. We don't wait for right circumstances. We go as we are. They say it's too difficult, and often they'll say it's too dangerous. The slothful men says, there's a lion out there. There's a lion without. So baby, it's dangerous out there. I can't work. There's a lion. Now, there's, there's two ways you can maybe look at this. Maybe they're making up the lion. Maybe, there is, maybe it's a phantom lion. Maybe he's just, say, maybe he's just saying, I, I can't do it. It's danger. Or, but maybe there is a lion out there. What if there is a lion out there? What do you have to do? If there's a lion out there, you've got to go deal with it. No, I, I love lions. But if the lion is in a community, that means and lions run in packs. And if there's one lion, there's more lions. And one lion looking for food can find food. He'll bring his friends to find more food. You're going to have to deal with that lion. And like there's the famous story of the missionary David Livingston who saw a lion outside and he went and he, he took on the lion. And he, he shot the lion and actually the lion mauled him and, and injured him. But the, he, he had to kill the lion for the safety of the, of the people around him. And so a lazy man doesn't look at the circumstances and say, well, it's too difficult, it's too dangerous, I can't work. No, when it's difficult and dangerous, lead the way! We need men today, godly men who will be examples of work and responsibility and leadership. And we need godly women as well who will be strong to be submissive, but yet be diligent in their labor. Beware the consequences. So what are the consequences of laziness? Look at verse number 11. The consequences are poverty. So shall thy poverty come. And notice what he says here. And I learned this this week about this verse. I didn't understand this verse. Can you read, the, read verse 11 with me? It says, So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. So he's personifying poverty as, an, as a person. So in other words, he's saying this. When you're lazy, you're going to get a knock on the door. And you know who that person is at the door? It's Mr. Poverty. <laughs> he's coming in. And you say, oh, I don't want to be poor. I don't want to be poor. And you try to... Keep Mr. Poverty out, but he's armed. So he's saying, not only is Mr. Poverty at the door, but he's got with him Mr. Armor all armed up to protect him, and they're coming into your life. And if you're a sluggard, the father is warning his son, you're going to be poor, because Mr. Poverty is going to come knocking, and he's going to be armed, and you're not going to be able to defend yourself or fend off from him. Sluggardness... Laziness leads to poverty. Look at, I want to find a verse here. Look at Proverbs. Oh, oh, yeah, well, oh, oh, right there in verse 11. That's the verse I want. He says, So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and What's the next two words there? It says, thy want as an armed man. You know, lazy people don't have a lack of wants. <laughs> Matter of fact, they want a lot of things. But they're too lazy to work for it. Lazy people will want and want and want. But they're, they're too lazy, like we said before, to use their hands to work. 
and get dirty. So poverty leads to uh, laziness, leads to poverty. It leads to decay. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 18 says, By much slothfulness the building decayeth. Through idleness of the hands the house drops through. So laziness leads to decay. Things fall apart. In fact, go to Proverbs. There's a whole section in Proverbs about, about uh, the sluggard. If you go to Proverbs chapter number 26... And there's a section in here from verse 13 through 16. And if you could read that with me, Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 13, it says, The slothful man saith, there's a lion in the way. A lion is in the streets. And then he describes the slothful man. As the door turns upon his hinges, so doth the slothful man upon his bed. It's the, I mean, the only movement he can make is back and forth, you know, from one side to the next. It's humorous. The slothful man hides his hand in his bosom, and we talked about that. It grieves him to bring it again to his mouth. And then verse 16, the sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can give a good reason. And now go back to Proverbs chapter 24 and look at these verses. These verses are also about laziness. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30, the end of chapter 24, it says in verse 30 of Proverbs chapter 24, I went to the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding, and lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles, had, had covered the face thereof, the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well, and looked upon it, and received instruction. So, you know, learn the lessons from other people. You, you don't have time to make all the mistakes. Basically, the guy's walking down the street and sees a house all overgrown and everything, and he, he learned the lesson from that. He says, I saw, I considered it, I looked upon it, and received instruction. And notice these verses are the same verses back in chapter 6 that we're looking at. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. And the third thing about the consequences of a lazy person is they, they zone out. Where it says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. Go to Proverbs chapter 19. Look at this one. Go to chapter 19 and verse 15. Please. Proverbs chapter 19. And there's, a, there's an interesting phrase here. What does slothfulness cast a person into in Proverbs 19.15. What, what does slothfulness lead to? What kind of sleep? A deep sleep. You know what that, what that, where that's used first in the Bible? When God put Adam to sleep and operated on him. So in other words, slothfulness casts a person into a condition of being completely zoned out, anesthetized, in a deep sleep. You know who was in a deep sleep? In the Bible, in a way, Jonah. God called him to go to Nineveh. He took action, but he went the wrong way. He was, he was lazy spiritually to fulfill his responsibility, and he went down to the boat, at the sides of the boat, and there was a huge storm, and what could Jonah do? He was asleep in the storm, in a deep sleep. So, you've seen water that's moving, and it's Water that's moving is clear, it's cool, it's fresh, right? But how about stagnant water that's just sitting there? It's what? It's got moss growing in it. It stinks. There's a saying, it says, standing water stinketh. <laughs> and that's what a lazy person is like. Standing water. The last thing is we need to embrace the cure. Embrace the cure for this laziness. And the cure is found in verse 6 of Proverbs, chapter 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and what? Be wise. Be wise. And our wisdom is Jesus Christ. We need the wisdom that God has for us. And this wisdom is found only ultimately in Jesus Christ. 
He is our wisdom. He is our riches. He is our strength. Jesus Christ can make us rich in a world where, where people never seem to have enough, where people are, are, are not content and they're loving for money and they're, they're making bad business decisions that we talked about. Jesus Christ is your riches. He made Himself poor for us that we might be rich. Jesus Christ will give you riches more than this world can ever give. And Jesus Christ will give you a purpose to work for. You know, they say that lazy people really don't want to be lazy. It's just they don't see a reason to work. When you come to Jesus, see the reason to work for your job to provide. You know, when, when I first got saved, I was making $100 a week. I, w- I was a college student. Now, before I was saved, that $100 went real fast. I would get it Friday and it would be gone by Monday after the weekend. Smoking, drinking. Buying, going out for the munchies. But then after I got saved, guess what? I wasn't doing all those sinful things. I had all this money in my pocket. And so I said, what should I do? Oh, give a, tithe, give a tenth. I started tithing. I started giving a tenth out of the $100. So I put $10 in the offering plate. And then I met a beautiful girl. That would be my wife. And I said, I want to marry her. You marry somebody, you got to get a ring. So I started saving up for a ring. So that's what I did with that hundred dollars, poor as could be. But we got married, and God took care of us. We're rich in Jesus Christ, dear friends. Give to the Lord, and you'll be rich. Put Jesus Christ in your life. He says here, look what he says: ants work, and they have no what. In verse seven, they have no what. They have no guide, overseer, or ruler. They they don't have a guide. We have a guide. We have an overseer. We have a ruler. His name is Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Consider the ant without a ruler. I'm going to let an ant outwork me who has no ruler. And Jesus is my ruler. We should be working for Jesus. Work for the night is coming when we will work no more. So, dear friends, as we close, I say what Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 13. He says, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us awake out of our sleep. Our salvation is nearer than when we believe. And he says, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. That's how to get deliverance from these bad decisions and bad lazy habits. Put on Jesus Christ. He is our wisdom. And do not make provision for the flesh. And as he wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse number 14, Paul says, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So if you're here today and you're not saved, I say, realize your lost condition. Realize Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He came to this world. Think of God. The immensity of God. And He could just stamp on us like I stamped on the little anthill. Because that's how small we are and even smaller than ants in God's sight, aren't we? But God Himself, it's like He became a little ant. He became a man to take my penalty for sin, to die and, and yes, pay the very penalty of hell for me on the cross. That's why He died. To bear the wrath of God that I deserve. I deserve the wrath of God. There's nothing good in me. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. I am not righteous. I have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the penalty of my sin is even death and hell. But Jesus Christ came to take hell for me on the cross. And for you. And for all the world. He died on the cross. If He did this work for us, shouldn't I work for Him? We have a guide. We have an overseer. We have a ruler who says, come unto me and I will give you rest. And then as we get that rest, He says, go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. Let's stand together, please, as we pray. God's handbook of wisdom, dear friends, 
Help us, Lord, and forgive us. Forgive us for our covetousness. Forgive us for our laziness. Keep us from being lured into bad decisions when there's so much good to give to. Lord, I do pray that You would convict anyone who is spending their money on useless things. Gambling, tattoos, going places, drugs, alcohol. Ask God to give you wisdom in your financial decisions. Don't be lured by the schemes of this world to get rich quick without work. Work is God's way. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to invest. It's not wrong. The Bible teaches wise investment. Laziness. Look into your own heart. Do you have laziness in your life? Do you need to repent? Go to the ant. Consider their initiative and their vision. And then say, Lord, help me to love work and sleep for what I need to sleep. We need sleep. But help me to love my work because, Lord, my work is for you. So whether you're a nurse, whether you're a doctor, whether you work in an office, whether you work at home, but you're working, just understand that work is for Jesus Christ. You're doing it for Him. And just commit your hands and commit your body to working for Him, for the glory of God. Yes, Lord. And we say, Pastor Matt, this message has... Spoke to my heart. Pray for me as I make these adjustments and changes in my life. As God spoken to your heart, just put your hand up in one of these ways or more. Just put it up and then just pray over that situation. You put your hand up, pray right now over that situation. And then you can put your hand down. Let God speak to your heart. And how many would say, Pastor Matt, I need to awake today. I need to wake up and realize I need a Savior. That Jesus Christ is the only one who left heaven and died on the cross and rose again for my sin. He's the only one who ever said He would do it and the only one who ever did it in the history of, the, of, of humanity. He's the only one who ever beat death, who rose again and then ascended up into heaven. He's seated on the right hand of God. He's alive today. And if you call upon Him, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Jesus said while He was here, you must be born again, dear friends. That means you must come to the place where you know you're a sinner. And He's the Savior. And you cry out to Him and say, Lord, have mercy on me. I know I'm a sinner and I'm worthy of death and hell, but I thank You. You died on the cross for my sin. Come into my heart and save me, O Lord. If there's anyone here today who needs Jesus as their Savior, can I pray for you? Just put your hand up that I could pray for you. Is there anyone like that? God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? I'm going to pray for you. God bless you. Thank you for sharing. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Yes, I see your hand. I see that hand. Yes, I see your hand. God bless you, brother. Thank you. So, Father God, I saw one, two, three, four hands of people with questions and of need. And, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that right now you would come into their heart. I'm going to offer a prayer for you. I'd like to speak to you maybe after the service. Maybe we could talk for a few moments. But I'm going to offer a prayer. I don't know if you're fully ready to pray that prayer, but I'm praying that you'll come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that if you, as you walk out the door today, that you'll know you have eternal life. And we've been praying for you. We've been praying for you to come into our church, and God brought you here today. So thank you for coming. Would you please pray this prayer from your heart and call on the Lord, and He will save you now. Just say a simple prayer like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a guilty sinner. And because of my sins, I know I'm worthy of death. Even in hell. But thank You, Jesus, that You came to die for me. 
You didn't deserve to die. You died for me. And you didn't stay dead. Thank you, Jesus. You rose again. You're alive. I call upon you now, Lord. So if you need Jesus, say, I call upon you, Lord. I know you love me. You died on the cross for me. Come into my heart and save me, O Lord. I want you as my Savior, as my friend, as my eternal life. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Please work now as we sing. And if you want to come forward, anyone who does need Jesus, if you want a prayer now, we could talk afterwards. If you'd like to come now, maybe we could have somebody talk to you about your soul right now as Sid comes and leads us in our song.